This is the show that pulls back the industry curtain. We're exploring pop culture, music icons, and food gods. It's the Jeremiah Show with Dr. D and Will Knox. Broadcasting from the HJL Hospitality and Evolve Studios in LA and KZSB AM 1290 and FM 96.9 Santa Barbara or somewhere from the road. And now, Mr. Restaurant. Well, nice. I'm live. I'm Will Knox. Mr. Restaurant to some of you out there. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm really, really pleased and very, very lucky to have a wonderful man by the name of Bob Oswax. Bob runs Bob's Well Bread, originally out of Los Alamos, and he joined us today from his second location in his home in Ballard. And Bob, welcome to Mr. Restaurant and all we do here, which is really talk about the business of restaurants. We're not talking so much about the cuisine, although I'm very curious to get into bread making, which I'm sure you'll talk to us a little bit about today. So welcome. Thanks, Will. Glad to be here with you. Can you tell me a little bit about the origin of Bob, your name, and also just really your family background and and, and how you came to the studio here in Santa Barbara? Well, okay, let me think about that question. Um, The origin of Bob's Wellbread really started when I was baking and we lived in Los Angeles, and we were calling it Wellbread in L.A., meaning... I was baking out of my house in L.A. or baking out of my house in Los Alamos, that it would always be L.A. Uh, We morphed that out into Bob's Wellbread, ultimately, just because it had a better feeling about it. Well, what got you into this? Because your history is not related to the food business and the restaurant business. No, not at all. My history was really in the entertainment business. I was... um, most recently head of worldwide marketing for Sony Pictures Television, launching TV shows all over the world, but primarily responsible for shows like Seinfeld and um, Dr. Oz and soaps and game shows, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy, things like that. And I was um, downsized out of my position at Sony about now 12 years ago, in 2010, 2011, and I started baking because we had a wood-fired oven in our backyard in Hancock Park, and um, just one thing led to another, and I started making bread from the Tartine cookbook by Chad Robertson, and that really resonated with me, and I started giving the bread away to people, and they loved it, and I decided that life didn't need to be about doing the entire life of the same exact thing. So I went to San Francisco and studied at the San Francisco Baking Institute over a couple of years' time there, concurrently started working on a business plan to create a bakery and cafe, and what was that going to entail, and uh, had to talk my wife into moving from Los Angeles up to the Central Coast to actually um, complete this. Well. Going back to the beginning, you came to California, or were you always were you a native Californian, or did you? No, I'm a native New Yorker. Grew up out. On so you're Long, a transplant. Yep, grew up on Long Island, or as we say, Long, Long Island. Island. Um, 
moved to California to get into the television business, though, when I got out of college, 1980. 1980. Yeah. So then you landed in this, you know, world called entertainment. Did you have any direction at that point that you wanted to be in marketing or you wanted to be in concept development? Or how, No, I, I had a business there? degree and a major in marketing, and I, I knew that I wanted to work in marketing in the in the business. And where did that initially take you as a grunt? I mean, when you first got in. As a grunt, it took me to NBC where I was training to be a unit manager, which is really more of a financial liaison between the network and the shows that got produced there. So I was collecting and balancing costs for shows like The Tonight Show and Days of Our Lives and um, anything that was shot on the and the sound stages at the network, but that really wasn't my passion. I wasn't an accounting major. It doesn't sound to me it like wasn't, it wasn't too my granular thing, for. But it just got yeah. me into the business, and I networked around a lot, which is how I met somebody that worked for Norman Lear, and I got an interview there to be manager of advertising and promotion, working on. You know, this is you know nineteen eighty. 81-ish, working on all the classic Norma Lear situation comedies. So you're in your young 20s, your early 20s, and yes, you land that's, this... that's kind, thank you. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, I mean, you, were, you, were, you were a youngster. I was young. But you landed someplace really cool. I landed uh, uh, a, a dream job. That was great. And I stayed with that organization until Norman and his partners sold what was then called Embassy Communications, because they had purchased Avco Embassy Pictures along the way, and they changed the name of the company to Embassy Television. But um, they sold the company to the Coca-Cola Company, which at the time owned Columbia Pictures. And that was TriStar also? That was Columbia TriStar at got the it. time, right. Um, so Embassy got subsumed into this larger organization, thinking that I was going to be out of a job, I jumped and went to Paramount Pictures to work in their TV division. Um, but actually what ended up happening was the embassy executives took over the Columbia executives. So, you know, maybe I should have stayed. I don't know. But that got you more into the whole marketing niche? Yeah, I got more into not, marketing Not into there. the creative so much as the marketing aspect I just, of I the went, creative? I went full bore into marketing and I stayed in marketing in television for the next 30 years. Well, what's very clear now, today, if anybody goes to Bob's Well-Bred in Los Alamos and Ballard, and hopefully more stores, as we'll talk about later, yeah. is the marketing prowess. Because right. that's really what captured my imagination. I had never heard of you. Uh, I wonder, And now you're wearing my sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm wearing the sweatshirt. Can you see that, folks, who are out there and, you know... YouTube land. Otherwise, the podcasters can see my wonderful logo that says, well, it doesn't say Bob's Well-Bred. No, nope. just an icon. And, and what's the icon represent? The icon is um, the center part, the, the trident, the fork with three prongs is my great-grandmother's Victorian bread fork. She came over from Russia at the end of the 19th century with her brothers and sisters, and this was part of her flatware pattern. Um, it was a, a bread fork that was used to serve yourself a piece of bread 
or a dinner roll when the platter came around. So you pierced it and put it on your plate. I guess it preceded tongs. I, I don't know. But it's certainly a branding yeah, and when I, component, when right? When we were launching the bakery and developing the logo itself, I wanted something that could easily be put on sweatshirts and caps and wine glasses. You're like the Hard Rock Cafe of bakeries. Well, you know, it's just, you know, I I believe in the power of a brand. And that's your marketing background, getting right back to where you started. Yes, getting back to where I started. And you've reinvented yourself now as this extraordinary baker. I mean, do you think of yourself... As a baker, or is there someone else on your team that's, quote, the baker? I've got a head baker um, named Scott Smith, who's been with me for the last six, five or six years, um, and he's amazing. And uh, What's his background? His background is baking. I mean, he's, you know, been in bakeries for probably 25-plus years. How'd you find him? Uh, through a headhunter. Okay. I had a previous head baker that was with me for several years that was ready to move on, and, you know, we live in a really small town, so it's not like um, I can put a sign in the window, Head Baker Wanted. So so Scott um, was sent to me by um, a head hunter in the restaurant business, whom you may know named Brad Metzger. Yes. And... Um, you we know. might have Brad on the show one okay. day talking about, you know. I'll phone in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Brad had. The merits of. Brad had actually given me my second head baker, um, who was lasted for several years and then uh, got me Scott. Um, my first head baker only lasted a couple of weeks because I was doing much of the baking at that time, but he was um, a bad person. We don't like bad people. We like good people. That's why I'm with Bob Oswalks. Here we are. So, Bob, my first experience with you was traveling to my hometown of San Francisco from my new hometown, Ojai. And this was probably back in 2014 that I discovered this little town called Los Alamos on my way up to San Francisco, right off the 101, because I had heard a little bit about the food scene, which was starting to sprout up, and this place called Bob's Well Bread. So I had to go into that spot and lo and behold it's really cool and breakfast is extraordinary and it's not just about the bread and the pastry except it is about the bread and the pastry and it would it just blew my mind that you were lying out the door yes in this tiny little town how many yes. people live in los alamos a thousand in that range right but because you're right off the freeway you know, it's an easy on and easy. If you off. know about it, you could blink. If you know about it, you could blink and you'd pass it. Right. Um, <clears throat> yeah. But it's grown up in the San Ynez Valley as being it's, a go-to it's the spot. northernmost town within the San Ynez Valley. You've got Buellton, Solvang, Ballard, San Ynez, uh, Los Olivos, and Los Alamos. So there are these six towns. Los Alamos being the northernmost point right off the freeway. Everything else you get to from side streets going around the valley. So what happened? You said, I'm done with L.A. And you have a child, right? Two children? We have a grown daughter. You you have a grown daughter. When we moved up 
to the You valley. and your wife, Jane. My wife, Jane. Yes. So we bought a house uh, in Los Alamos, of all places, about 20 years ago. I'd gotten oh, a big, this guy's a forerunner, folks. Uh, I'm telling you. No, we'd gotten a, you know, a sizable bonus for Seinfeld and... I just said, let's buy a little... Oh, a little show called Seinfeld that you were involved with. Right. Oh, okay. And we set out to look for a little weekend house, not thinking about Los Alamos, but we kept seeing this little Victorian farmhouse on a half an acre in Los Alamos, and every time we go wine tasting, it would still... The flyer would still be in the real estate office window. So one time I just called the real estate agent and said... Can I get to see that house? And she goes, you know where Los Alamos is? And I said, no. And it was really just one exit beyond Los Olivos on the freeway. So we drove up there one day and saw the house. And the owner was a sort of garagiste winemaker. And, you know. Garagiste. I'm a lay guy. Garagiste. French for, uh, you know, very small production. And, you know, this is. Like 10 bottles. Yeah. Well, you know, he had his. Two-car garage filled with barrels. It. Um, it was a hobby. Yeah. You know, there's a festival called the Garagiste Festival, which is about small batch winemakers, really. Garagiste Festival. My French is getting better. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Um, but anyway, we started doing some barrel samplings in his garage. What's not to sample, and, right? And next thing you know, we bought a house, so... And it's all Good his ploy on his part. So then you're 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 in Los Alamos. Yeah, it was just a weekend place. We'd go on weekends for many many years. You had, you had no thought that you were going to be doing any business here. No, no. And at the time, Los Alamos was this sleepy little town with tumbleweeds going down the street. It was before Bell's, before Bell Street Farm, before Flatbread, before Casa Dumets. Before these the are Skyview. all big name places. Before now. everything that is now part of this destination of Los Alamos, there was nothing but a cute little house in a sleepy little town. So you're going back and forth between L.A. and Los Alamos. Right. But over the years, things came into town. Clark Staub started Full of Life Flatbread. Sonia came in with Casa Dumets, and Jesper was at... Um, Cafe Quackenbush, and there was, you know... Cafe Quackenbush. Cafe Quackenbush was there for many years. Uh, breakfast and lunch place. Um, were there enough people to support these new endeavors? Or were tourists starting to then the flock tourists, in the tourists from the really, wine country? Yeah. Wine country tourists really what pushed it into being a full-time town. Um, but, but it wasn't the Solvang Danish, you know, people that no. were coming in. No, not at all. It was more sophisticated travelers who, Ultimately, who had yes. a palate. Once more places came in, I credit Clark with being the pioneer of opening up Full of Life Flatbread in a town like that. But, you know, as more things came in, it became less of a risk, although... Everybody told me when I was getting ready to open a bakery, it's like, you're sure you want to do it there? Are you sure you're going to be able to sustain several days a week, you know, ultimately five days a week and um, all that? And you're right off the freeway, but you're not going to get people and really think twice about it. And all those people now have obviously 
eaten those words. Well, the real estate had something to do with this also. So tell me about the building that you're actually in. Well, we had our eyes and our hearts set on this particular building. It's an old gas station from the turn of the 20th century. Um, People love that. Yeah. It was a, a gas station that had been a, after it was a gas station and a, there was like 30 cabins on there. So you'd, you know, in the turn of the century, you, you know, probably only went a hundred miles on a tank of gas. So you drive, you sleep, you eat, and you go to your next destination, you know, however, however far you can get. Now you must have a supercharger on the property. We do have a charger, yeah. There you go. But, um... When we found the building, it had been a biker bar that was closed for at least a dozen years. Perfect. Called Ghost Riders. Um, and we set out to think that this would be a great place for a small country bakery cafe right in the heart of the wine country. So what else is on the property in addition to the main building? I think you We've have We've got cottage, a fruit orchard. A fruit orchard. We've got... Um, cottages. Cottages. We have two Airbnb rentals that we do, um, you know, very nice traveler business with on weekends especially. Um, and then we've got, you know, tons of seating out there. So during the pandemic, for two years, we had nobody inside the bakery eating at all. But yet we're sitting there on a half an acre of land. So we had enough room for everyone to sit outside and being blessed to be in the central coast in California. It was it became something that would work year round. So then you bought this property. How long had you been in your home prior to buying this property and saying to Jane, you know what, I think I want to open up the bakery here. Well, we'd had the house. We didn't live there yet. Um, we were still living in L.A. Um, we had the house since 2000. This is 2010. So we'd been around Los Alamos for 10 years. We knew the valley. I knew I wanted to be, if I was going to open a bakery, I wanted to do it out of L.A. I didn't want to be in the heart of Los Angeles with a bakery at that time. And compete with La Brea Bakery. Uh, compete with La Brea and just compete with a Big city. city full of people that at the time were very anti-carbohydrate. Which I guess today is still the same in a certain way. But, but people you've got a lot the... of very successful bakeries now in L.A. too. Right. You know. So what do you attribute the, the rise of... Is that a pun? Yes, the rise of the dough. There's a lot of dough in dough, too, I yes, guess. Yes, I've gone from showbiz to doughbiz. Yeah, you're in the doughbiz, yeah. you know, out of um, showbiz. Repeat your question. What do you attribute this whole fascination with artisanal bread? Is it Nancy Silverton? Is it Tartine after that? Well, I think Nancy Silverton and Chad Robertson from La Brea Bakery and Moza and, and Tartine, respectively, um, were pioneers in the artisan bread movement just you know it's, it's called wet dough where your dough you're not kneading the dough because you're talking 80 percent hydration so the dough gets folded um it keeps your bread fresher longer it makes it more digestible um but i i think they were the the parents of the artisan bread movement and there's been you know uh, many many successful bakeries around the country that have um, opened and probably attribute 
some of their success to them as well. Is it coming primarily from the California world, or is it coming from the Midwest? Is it coming from the East? I, I think it's coming it's, from it's all, all over. over. I mean, if you know, it's I'm a, a European member of tradition. the Bread Bakers Guild, and there's you know wonderful bread bakers and bakeries all over the country. Um, and I think what all of these bakeries have in common is really these these old world techniques making bread the way it used to be made hundreds of years ago. Bread's been around for thousands of years. It's three ingredients, flour, water, and salt. It is the but it's staple. That, it's that magical process of fermentation that takes these very basic ingredients and transforms them into something wholly different. I'm getting the high sign from Dr. D, so we're going to go to commercial, you know, in a second. Ostensibly, what I want to know, though, is how this organization really came to be. And we're going to explore that right after we take a break here. We'll be right back with Bob Oswox at Bob from Bob's Well Bread. I'm Will Knox on Mr. Restaurant. Thank you. Stay tuned, folks. Restaurant is a tasty new segment on the Jeremiah Show. Host Will Knox, renowned restaurant real estate specialist, serves up a fresh look at the restaurant business. On the menu, celebrity chefs, startups, operators, deal makers, designers, and those are just some of the appetizers. Look for all of Mr. Restaurant shows. Tell your smart speaker to play the Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. Hi, I'm Shadow Stevens. While I'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time, I'm having a great time on The Jeremiah Show, the greatest show in the history of the world. For the love of God, subscribe. No, seriously, subscribe. Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com. Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Yum, yum, yum. We're back with Bob's Well Bread, Bob Oswax, the founder. What a treat to have you today. And I see you've actually brought a couple of treats with you. You've spoiled yes, us here in the boxes studio. Boxes of pastries. So. Boxes of pastries. Last for- time we did this, I brought bread. This time I brought some some morning buns. Oh, my gosh. How does one person consume that? <laughs> Very lovingly. And and. It takes a little while to consume it because it's a big, it's a big, big deal. Big ass morning bun. Yeah, that, that'll get you into the evening, you know, <laughs> without a doubt. How does something like that come about? Tell me, tell me how 
you really operate the whole concept of the operation, the organization. You're not running every single thing, are you? Or are you delegating to certain people? Well, you've got to delegate. You're a hands-on guy, though. You know, uh, before we opened the Ballard location, I was very hands-on. I'd, you know, work with the bakers um, baking many days doing bagels, English muffins, baguettes, many of our breads. Um, but as we grew, and especially because opening up the Ballard location necessitated my letting go of many things. Um, because you have left staff there. I have more staff. Oh, you have more staff in Ballard? No, I have, I, I have more staff cumulatively. I have a smaller, out of the two smaller units. setup in Ballard because we don't bake in Ballard. Everything gets baked out of Los Alamos and driven down to Ballard as soon as it gets out of the oven at, you know, 6 in the morning. And how far? 5, 530. Is that about a half hour drive? 15 minutes. Got it. Yeah. Totally different trade area. Yeah. No, it's a, you know, Los Alamos is where we capture the tourism traffic. People coming off the freeway, coming to visit us, or people that make a destination. <clears throat> but what happened was that Los Alamos got so successful, and as you mentioned, the line out the door, which is a daily occurrence, we found we were losing a lot of the locals who drive by and say, hey, look at the line. Let's keep going. Um but you're closed in Los Alamos, what, Tuesdays, Tuesdays and, Wednesdays? and Wednesdays? Both locations. Both Tuesdays, locations. Yeah, both, okay. both locations are. Because that's when there's Thursday really, through Monday. The traffic um, is there then. And, and by opening in Ballard, we were actually able to recapture the local business. Because Ballard is sort of this epicenter of the valley off of a major street that cuts through the valley baseline. So you get them, you know, you've got. Los Olivos, five minutes in one direction, San Inez, five in the other, Solvang, five in yet another direction. And so it's easy for all the locals to stop in real quickly. Because Ballard, really, nobody knows about. There's only 500 people that live yeah, in the town know, of Ballard. Yeah, very small town. It's got a, a chapel, a cemetery, a couple of churches. And a famous a school, school, right? The, you know, 120-year-old Ballard Schoolhouse. How cool that is that? It's still in operation. And then it's got um, the Ballard Inn, which um, is also a, a destination property. So for those of you who have never been to the region, it is a stunning spot to drink, to eat, to consume wine, to taste fabulous bread. So tell me again how this bread making starts. Does it go at like at two in the morning? And and also, actually, I'm really uh, not very knowledgeable at all about most things, uh, except maybe a little bit of, you know, business here and there. But the the dough where you make all your money, <laughs> the starter, the mother, what's that about? I've heard that term used, and I don't really understand the mother. And you, ha- you well, have to feed the, the mother, mother. Because each day you take a piece of the mother that you mix in. And that's be- your formula. Yeah, that's a formula. You have, depending on how much bread you're making, you've got, you need so much starter, which is a portion of the mother that gets remixed into fresh flour, water, salt. 
That's Again, it. bread is flour, water, salt. The mother is the yeast component, um, but it's a natural fermented yeast. So we're not using Fleischmann's or, you know, the little packets that people might put into bread to make bread fast because the yeast will activate quickly. But in this case, it's a natural starter, um, which is how you make sourdough. You control the fermentation by how often you feed the starter. You feed the starter once a day and you have more of a true sour sourdough. And you feed the starter twice a day and you get more of a lactic fermentation and you have a more mellow um, aroma. And so it's all chemistry, which I failed. It's all in chemistry, which okay. if you asked me years ago, what, what would I need to know better to excel and exceed in this career? I would have said math and science because they're using algebra all day long to create your formulas. And, you know, depending on how much bread you're making on a given day, you need to increase your ingredients or decrease them, depending on if we have wholesale or special events or what do we need for the business to run? What are we needing to sell for two bakeries? So it goes up and down on a daily basis. And this is yeast, the component that you're adding? Well, no, it's or, a, bread is flour, water, salt, and yeast. But our yeast is flour and water because it's a But what you're feeding on, on a daily basis. You feed what it you more feed flour it? and more water. That and combination. A of the existing mother. Okay. So you're taking, say, 20% of the mother and then 80% of water and flour. And that's what's really proprietary to Bob's Well Bread. Well, again, bread's been made for thousands of yes, years. Yes, but you have a certain formula that people yes, yes. flock to your bread because not just the presentation of the plates, which is your marketing prowess, but now you're telling me deep down you've become a chemist. Yeah, well, it's all, again, it's about the chemistry, understanding fermentation happens at 74 to 76 degrees. So you have to be constantly aware of changes in your environment. In the summer when it's hot, you're having to actually cool your dough down. So, you know, your your flour is your flour. You can't change that. The room, you can hopefully change the temperature depending on how good your air conditioning is or how often or not the doors are open. And if your and air so conditioning the, goes the out, you got a problem. is your temperature of your water. I see. So when it's really hot, you're using cooler water so you can get your optimum 74 to 76 degrees for fermentation. And when it's really cold, you're going to use warmer water because the room is cold and the, the flour is cold. And you need to get, again, you're, you have the most control over the water temp. And this then has no effect on the pastries. This is primarily only about the bread. Well, no, you, the, I mean, you, the mother. You, you do need to control your temperature when making pastries, too, because you're dealing with flour, water, and, and butter in the pastries. So if the butter A lot of too, butter, I'd if say. If the butter is too warm, you won't get the proper lamination, which is the layers of dough, butter, dough, butter, dough, butter. What is your most successful bread of all the breads you carry? I would say our Pal Levan is our signature loaf. Um, it's a whole grain sourdough. Uh, a rustic country loaf that we actually stencil the logo on. 
My wife will not eat gluten. She loves your gluten-free bread. She That's just, good, too. She, she just says, I got to go to Bob's for the gluten-free bread because she can't get it very many places. Right. So she's got it in the freezer now. It's taken up a whole whole portion section. of our yeah whole section we call it the bob's well bread section you know and we'll make room for more okay yeah well <laughs> I'm, I'm getting fat just looking at it right now we're going to take a break and come back with bob oswalk's bob's well bread which is just making me really hungry and for those of you out there who don't know go Bob's Well Bread, Los Alamos and Ballard. And if you live in New York, come out to California, go to Los Alamos or Ballard. You'll love these little towns, and it really is the real deal, and so is Bob. We'll be right back. Look at the Abbey on the Oakland Wall. Look at the flowers and the green grass so tall. It's not a matter of when push comes to shove It's just the hour on the wings of a dove That's just warm love It's just warm love Welcome, Somerset, England. The Jeremiah Show is now on Core Radio. Keep on rocking to the core. Core Radio, The Jeremiah Show, airs at 10 p.m. Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. CoreRadio.rocks. Hey there, I'm Caleb. I'm Becca. And I'm Joshua. And we, we are Girl Named Tom. Go to GirlNamedTom.com to hear more of our music, buy merchandise, and learn about our story. You're listening to The Jeremiah Show. You've been listening to The Jeremiah Show. I am Miles Zuniga from Fastball. Hey, this is Tim. And this is Christian. We're L1011. Hi, this is Ron Sexsmith on The Jeremiah Show. The Jeremiah Show. I'm live with the live dough master, Bob Oswalks, Bob's Well-Bred. I'm telling you, it's an incredible experience to go to your stores because, yes, it's retail, but it's just yummy. I mean, the the breakfast I've had there is great. I crave the mufalata sandwich because I can't get that. I think that's an extraordinary sandwich. I'm not supposed to be eating all this stuff. But, Bob, you really, you know, turn it on. Not just in your bread making, but your menu, your your restaurant too. So right. you have a combination of a wholesale bakery or not, or is it just wholesale retail? is very 
minimal to our business model. Um, I, it just isn't something that is required for us to reach our numbers. And wholesale is one of those things where, you know, you're working twice as hard to make half the money. So it's not, and unless you go after it 100%, it doesn't pencil out, especially because of what people are paying and then how are they getting it. Like the wholesale we do right now, people have to pick it up. I just, I can't afford to do wholesale and deliver it. Well, it's kind of an experience to go to the old, you know, town bakery, isn't it? It's kind sure. of a community, you know, thing to sit there and, you know, have coffee, pick up a loaf of bread, get well, a pastry. And, and that's, schmooze it, it becomes like a third place for many people. It's not where you work. It's not where you live. But it's the place where you're comfortable and you can hang out and you can meet your friends and you can stay as long as you want. So that was by design then. Third place concept by design. So this is back to your marketing prowess, not yes. not your prowess as a bread maker, but you're thinking on this mm-hmm. whole idea of what does Los Alamos need? It needs a third place, a, yeah. a destination, a neighborhood spot. Right. Like Starbucks would meet me at like Bob's. Cheers. Or, Got it. Yeah. So you've been able to successfully do that. In two locations. In two locations. Do you have a master plan to take it into more? Ah, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And a lot of money. And it requires a lot of money and it requires a lot of expertise. I'm really lucky that this business has worked on so many levels, on the level of a bakery, on the level of a cafe, on the level of a third place in two locations. Um, it's and charisma. I'm not someone you've, who grew up in hospitality. I understand that, but I think the thing that drew me to it was there was a charismatic aspect, not necessarily to you. Oh, thank you. But the brand, it okay. somehow it, it, you know, you're a great looking guy. I love your glasses, thank by you. the way. You know, um, but ostensibly, the, the fact that your spot became a draw. People were talking about it. The best advertising right. is that word, word of mouth, mouth right? Yeah. And people were talking about it very early on, which is a tribute to your charisma as an operator. Thank you. I mean, it's truly, you know, it, uh, it, it's not for everybody to turn off a highway and go into a little town and seek out this, this joint, but it's, it's cool, folks. You know, and I think the idea that you could replicate this, I believe it's scalable. But yes, it takes I think the scalability is there takes good manpower. to create little community epicenters along the central coast. Could we be in Paso, Atascadero, San Luis, and Arroyo Grande to the north? Absolutely. Could we be in Santa Barbara, Montecito? Summerland, not Ojai, um, to the south. Absolutely. He says not Ojai because in Ojai there happens to be bakery. a great baker there. And, you know, hats off to Kate's bread. Right. But nonetheless, there's a big world out there. There's a big world and there's communities. And I hear it all the time, either from developers within these individual communities or from the people that live there, like, can't you come to Carp? Can't you come to Summerlin? Can't you come to, oh, you know, Ohio or wherever? Um, because they know that they and their community would 
welcome and support something like we we and they're developed. starved excuse the expression for this quality artisanal bakery and, cafe and, and environment unique, and unique product and environment that we create and the environments are you know probably a testament to my wife and I working together to create visually the the space that gets people to keep coming back as well as our creating menus and menu items that resonate with people and having a great baker and a great head chef and executive chef that helps us design dishes and menu items that look great, taste great and sell out. I mean, we have maybe 15 weekly specials that we do, but we rotate them. So each one gets, you know, three, maybe four times a year into the rotation we're cognizant of special events and holidays. So when Mardi Gras is coming, that's when we bring out the Mufaletta. When Easter is coming, that's when we bring out the lamb dip sandwich, a, a take on the French Which will dip. then bring people like me back because I want to know sure. what's going on. Or people what's just new. say, when you're bringing back the meatloaf or this week was a tuna melting. You know, it's a basic thing, but our menu has been crafted around the bread so that it can be the simplest of meals, but if the bread is great, it helps make the dish work. Well, it's very relatable. It's not so highbrow. It's something that everybody can somehow, you know, get their teeth into, excuse the expression. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I think the first time I was there, I had uh, an egg dish that was in a jar. Egg in a jar. Egg one in a our, jar. One of our signature dishes. I didn't know what the hell that was, excuse yeah. the expression. It's a, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great dish. It's, you know, it's purple. I'll pure, have that, it's but I don't know what it is. purple pureed mashed potatoes mixed with Gruyere cheese, topped with a little creme fraiche, poached egg, and some bacon lardon. You know, we give it to you with um, toast soldiers, which is toasted sourdough uh, that's cut into sticks. So you dunk the stick in and get a bite of the entire my dish. My doctor loves you. Yes. <laughs> well, I actually love you. I must say, as a, as a person, as a uh, person who's really kind of reinvented himself in, in an extraordinary way, and um, Dr. D is telling me we've got to go out in, what, two minutes, one minute? Just a break. Uh, just one minute break, mm -hmm. and then we'll come back after that? Yeah. All right, well, then I guess we're going to break, and we're going to finish it up with Bob Oswalks and Bob's Well-Bred. There's more to talk about, Bob, so stay tuned. Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks on Radio India Alliance each week. The Radio India Alliance is a chart service that allows indie recording artists an opportunity to have chart placements. We don't charge. We support RadioIndiaAlliance.com. Hi there. 
everybody. This is Ann Hitch. Hey, everybody. I'm Art Alex Hux from the band Everclear. My name's Danny Drayo. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Jeremiah, you're loved, home. you need help with your restaurant or hospitality business, see how we can help your business at hjlrestaurantadvisors.com. Hey, this is Jeff Scott Baxter. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. You won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. Okay, for our final entry here with uh, Bob Oswox and Bob's Well-Bred. Bob, again, thank you for being here. It's just a, a real pleasure for me, and I'm looking at all these goodies that I'm going to get into, and my wife's going to say, no, you're not. Well, she'll she'll let me on a little... Eat them on the way home. Graduate. Yeah, she'll never even know, will she? Just you the know? crumbs. <laughs> just, just the crumbs, you know. Um, speaking of wives, your wife, who I've not met, Jane, has been an inspiration to you. Is that correct? Of course, yes. And in this operation, was her background culinary? No. No, neither of us have a background in hospitality or or the restaurant industry, but we've been avid food and wine enthusiasts always. Lots of dinner parties and, you know, parties in general and, you know, eating out, enjoying good food and wine. Does she bring any type of uh, propensity to jams and oh, yeah, marshmallows no, she may, and you know, yeah, some of those goodies? Right, thank you for the um, <laughs> No, um, she doesn't work in the bakery, but she works on the bakery. So, you know, she'll do a lot of the admin things of ordering and making sure that all the wheels, you know, are working together. But she does, you know, some of our artisanal touches that um, she makes all of our own jams. Um, and she makes uh, all the marshmallows we use in hot chocolates. And, and How'd that come about, marshmallows? Didn't want to do whipped cream. And uh, she started making them for fun one day, and we put them in, and just people liked having a handmade marshmallow. Well, cream. it's a very eccentric spot. That's what I think is part of its attraction. It, it's a real regular spot that you know anybody can, on one level, just say, okay, it's just a bread spot. I'll go get a pastry and a coffee. But if you really start to get into it, you'll see some of the artisanal marshmallow and the marmalade and those elements that really kind of ratchet up why it's a special spot. Yeah, I agree. And, and it... it being that concept of a third place, it can be whatever you want it to be. So if you're just a traveler and just looking to get off the freeway for a cup of coffee and a loaf of bread or a pastry, that's great. 
you could be that same traveler that knows about us and you want the, you know, the ham and cheese on baguette sandwich. Oh, I was in there one day and these guys, uh, I was on my way to San Francisco and I saw these guys I knew from Ojai. And I said, what are you doing here? Are you going your way up to the San Francisco? Oh, no, no, no. We just come up to Bob's for the day. You know, they just made it a trip and it's a good hour and a half from Ojai. Sure. You know, it's a good, no, we're, good we're distance. Very fortunate that we've become a, a destination business. So in building that business, what's the real challenge now going forward for you? Uh, consistency. Because you're behind the counter and you're in the kitchen and you're making sure that everybody's doing yeah, this, I'm that, trying, and the other. I'm sort of the Chief ringleader. Cook and bottle washer. So I'm trying to make sure dishes are coming out of the kitchen looking good. Customers are getting the right attention that they need. We're protecting our staff and, and everybody in a time where there's variants of, of a COVID that are still out there. And some people are anxious or nervous about going in to public places, um, making sure I, mean, I can look at the pastry and I can look at the bread. And if it's off on a day, I can tell that it's overproofed or underproofed or whose hands were on something to, you know, affect it. It's that delicate that you can see it. You can't follow a certain formula of two minutes in and 30 seconds Again, out. Again, because and, it's all about chemistry right. and knowing what's going on on a given day, it's, it, it varies day to day. But that's the great thing about creating something artisanal. It's never going to be exactly the same. And hopefully it's never going to be tragically or, you know, really off. But when you're making something with your hands, there's a bit of a magic to it. And every day is a another opportunity to get it right or fix something that was not right and or keep doing the, you know, the awesome job we always do. So I'm a restaurant business guy, and that's what Mr. Restaurant's about. It's really tracking the business of restaurants. And I'm looking at you and I'm going, you know, this this guy could really roll this thing out. And and yet it's easy and in idea, in ideation, it's, but not so much Yeah, to people think it's an easier idea than it is to roll Correct. out. And, you know, going from one bakery to two is, it's, it's, it's more than one plus one equals two, you know, in terms of the work. Um, it's, it's incredibly difficult to manage two of them because you're doubling up, you know, your front of house staff and your kitchen staff and your dishwashing staff. And, and you know this from being in the hospitality business the last several years is, is that it's harder and harder to get labor, labor to acquire and retain quality labor. So many restaurants went under during the pandemic because they did, you know, we're fortunate to be in a place where we could serve outside for two years, didn't affect our business whatsoever. Not so fortunate for other businesses. Can you open up, let's say, unit number three with the bakery capacity that you have? We could probably Can get one, one more, more unit? small local shop okay. out of our existing oven and storage and staffing. And ideally, where would that be? Carpinteria or, where, or Montecito? Uh, Santa Barbara? I would see South County before North County. Personally, okay. South County being in Santa Barbara, yeah, Santa Barbara, area. Montecito, Carpinteria, that world would, could be the next. And don't, you don't quote me. On that. Well, I have a unit for you now. Because yeah. you know, yeah. that's a tough deal. Even if you identified, you know, the town you want to go into, then you got to raise the money. Then you got to yes, the staff, there's, there's, and, and how does one, you know, one owner operator now manage three of them? 
So that's the key yeah. because you don't want to be that guy. I can't be that guy. You know, I, I think the business would benefit from a seasoned hospitality person to come into the mix that knows all the things that I don't knows all the traps that I luckily avoided most of them. But, you know, I think that there's efficiencies and ways to operate um, that someone that is far more knowledgeable and experienced than I can bring to the table. Well, if there's someone out there in podcast Zoom land. Yeah. Call me. Okay. Where, where would they call you? Uh, at the store? At the and, store. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go to Bob's there. Well-Bred, okay, in Los Alamos or Ballard. Ask for Bob. Okay, and if you're if you're looking for a, a really great gig and you're the type of guy that can operate multiple gigs, you're the guy to talk to Bob. But with that in mind, if you truly want to grow this thing, which I assume you do, you're at a point in your life where you're saying I'm on to the next frontier. Not that I want to leave your world of Bob's well-bred. You want to grow Bob's. Oh, yeah, I think I want to grow it. Right? It's a great vehicle. Sure. So the key here is to get an infrastructure that's really behind you. So the business aspect of growth is what's interesting to me. Opening Ballard was really proof of concept. And it proved itself out. It proved itself out. It's making money. Um, the, The model of Los Alamos and Ballard, where we can have a smaller overhead in Ballard because... We only added a few extra people to make all the extra bread and pastry. Made the business. It was efficient. Made efficiencies and profitabilities that weren't present when there was just one. So now, let's say. Adding a second or third round. And a third will even help with that as well. There's better buying power as well. Mm-hmm. Right? So having that quote, group that already owns and operates emerging, I call you an emerging brand. Right. And, you know, an ideal for you would be to have a, quote, larger company come work with you and you oversee the overall, not, not day-to-day, but the marketing. Yeah. Okay, and how do we take this thing and really put it on the map? Yeah, and, I think that would be a good next iteration to work towards. Is there a business plan for this already? Yes. Or is it in your mind? Uh, I've got some things written down. You do? Yeah. Okay. So, again, if I'm, uh, if, if I'm that type of business on the lookout for an emerging brand in the artisanal bakery cafe, I'm not a wholesale guy right. or gal, but I'm really a company that's on the lookout to have a unique point of view on the artisanal bakery business then, again, they should be in contact with you. Absolutely. Because I think it's a really wonderful, scalable store. I think you could open up in San Francisco. I think you could be in Paris. I really do. I think it's got the quality of this. Can you imagine this? Wouldn't that be great? (laughs) You know, you're you're selling bread back to the guys that created it. I have a customer who was in Paris for three weeks and was emailing me every day taking pictures of Panachal Klatt saying, they're still not as good as yours. Well, I, I could believe that, but more importantly, wouldn't it be great to have that American idea of the Central Coast, California, go overseas? I, I think it's transportable. You could do it in Japan. You could do it in a, You could do it anywhere. You can't, but you need the infrastructure behind yeah. you that could. So I certainly wish you well you. on that endeavor, and I think you're certainly capable. And, you know, if you had any one person to thank in the business, who would that be? 
in the bakery business? Well, just uh, maybe, yes, that got you into this business that that inspired you. How about I that? would say would I your would inspiration? thank Norman Lear, Norman who I, Lear, who I worked for earliest in my career. Who now we're back to the beginning. Back to the beginning, but he phoned when I left Sony when he heard that I was gone, and he's like, "How long have you been doing this?" And I said, 30 years." He said, "How long were you at Sony?" And I said, "11 or 12 years." He goes, "His comment was over." Next, meaning that life isn't about doing the same thing for 40 years, but it's about finding something else you're passionate about. And he certainly has been an archetype for that. Absolutely. He has in his life. Um, and it influenced me in, in reinventing myself. Well, you reinvented yourself, and that inspired me. So thank you so much, really, for your thank time. You, you really are an inspiration because you, you have successfully transformed yourself, and I wish you nothing but the best. And folks, I'm telling you, don't walk, don't drive, run like <laughs> hell to Los Alamos and Ballard to Bob's Well Bread. I'm telling you, it's a great experience. Over and out. Thank See you, you next time. Comedian Maz Jobrani, and you are listening to the Jeremiah Show. Listen, man. Did you like our soundtrack? Find all of our soundtracks on Spotify. The Jeremiah Show. Look for the black label. As always, a big thanks to Dr. D for making our voices come alive on the airwaves and to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all. Be sure to check out our very own Richard Dugan, a.k.a. Dr. D, Peabody Award-nominated radio show. Tell me your story every Sunday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. 
The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound and engineer producer Richard Dr. D. Dugan and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve. I'm putting my guns in the ground. I can't shoot them anymore. That cold black cloud is coming down. This is Miles Copeland. Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, the Jeremiah Show. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 